This is Carl Palachuk, and you're listening to the SMB Community Podcast, produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Gazinta Mobius, the easiest way for ConnectWise Manage and QuickBooks Online to connect. Keep invoices, expenses, and inventory automatically updated right from Manage to QuickBooks Online and payments right back into Manage. With simple pricing, set it and forget it auto sync, Gazinta Mobius delivers with no restrictions on the number of invoices, expenses, and payments, and plays well with others like Connect Booster. Trusted by over a thousand MSPs, now introducing a free plan. Go to gazinta.com slash Mobius and tell them Carl sent you. Hi, this is Carl. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. I'm joined once again by Paul Green from Paul Green's MSP Marketing. Welcome, sir. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me back on the show. So, uh, well, thanks for coming back. Uh, you know, you spurred many cool ideas last time. So, um, and I, I was quite struck with uh, some of them, in particular, the whole concept that an MSP is likely to have a client for decades, not just days or weeks or even years. So uh, that's, that's a huge thing when it comes to thinking about uh, how you nurture your clients, as well as um, being careful who you hire, like who, which, which clients you take on, because, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, you may have them for a very long time. <laughs> very true. Very true. So uh, tell us what's new with you uh, since it's been a few weeks. What's going on? So we've been uh, busy working uh, with our clients on turning leads into prospects and prospects into clients faster. So we all have, let me define what I mean by those three things. So leads are the, the people that sign up to your email list, or you could even look at the people who you're connected to on LinkedIn and consider those people to be leads um, you, you will have hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of leads at any one time. But the key is to turn those people into prospects and then into clients. And what's the difference between a prospect and a lead? A prospect is someone where you're having a conversation. So it's someone where you, whatever stage you're at, you've started the, the, the challenging conversation of moving them towards becoming a client of yours. And what we've been doing over the last um, quite, quite a few months, actually, before all this lockdown stuff started, is looking at a number of different ways to, I was about to say to speed things up, you kind of can't speed things up, but certainly a number of ways of making sure that you as the MSP are in front of the right people at exactly the right time. Because you're right, Carl, we need to take that very long-term approach and people do only buy when they're ready to buy, but we've got to make sure that uh, we are there in front of them at that exact moment, at that exact second or the day that they wake up and for whatever reason, they're just no longer happy with their incumbent MSP and they're willing to have a series of conversations. Now, there are two tools in particular that seem to work the best. And what's really interesting is both of these tools are old tools. They're old tools that have existed for decades and decades. In fact, these were the key marketing tools you used back in the 1960s and the 1970s and 80s and pretty much to 90s as well. And so the fact that I've just dated them, you'll know what they are. It's printed stuff. 
is the first of those tools of physical printed stuff. And the second of those tools is our good old friend, the phone. And I'm including when I say the phone, I am including video calls in that. I mean, uh, being able to talk to someone one on one, whether that's over the internet or whether it's down a good old traditional copper line is, is almost irrelevant, but it, it is having a one on one conversation. Do you, want to give, do you want me to give you some examples of, of, of so, how So let me are... just, uh, just to ask. So the printed stuff, um, does that include postcards and uh, long sales letters and all that happy stuff? All of it. Everything. So the, the power, the beauty of print, well, there's a, there's a number of things that make print beautiful. First of all, it's physical. So we are living increasingly in a digital world where everything, our entire lives are online. They're on the, the thing in our hand or the thing at, our, the, thing at the end of our fingertips. Um, Carl, have you seen yet the um, Netflix documentary called The Social Dilemma? Have you yes. watched that yet? Yes. Yeah, so, um, and, and any anyone with children who watched that was terrified. But it just goes to show how you know these products that we use, including things like Gmail, are they have addictiveness baked into them. And it's no wonder that that most of us spend. Well, I mean, obviously, everyone in our world spends literally our entire lives glued to screens. But you know, even normal people are just doing so much digitally. You know, you you you. The lockdown made made that that go so much faster. We we meet online, we send messages online, we do everything online, and for that reason, print now has a unique position of being offline and real. And the fact that you can have a po get a postcard into someone's hand for half a dollar. You know, for, for 50 cents, it doesn't have to be more expensive than that. Uh, and I, I have got a specific supplier I can recommend in a second. Um, the fact that you can, you know, get a, um, let's not call it a brochure, but let's say a book or, or so, a, a pack of stuff or uh, an impact box, which you might also know as a shock and awe box, um, or something as simple as I've got a, a client who does some amazing things with proposals, which I'll tell you about. All of these things are physical things and they stand out like you would not believe and because of course, more than they used to. It used to be that I got a stack of junk every day. And now I get, you know, whatever, I get a flyer from Comcast every day, but <laughs> I get maybe some magazine or something once a week, once a month. Um, but lots of days I don't get anything. And exactly. So Exactly. That. During election so, season. <laughs> well, yes, yes. So that's what it's all. Well, no, no, isn't that interesting? Because obviously I'm based in the UK and we have slightly different election laws and obviously we have a, a completely different political system. But I imagine that you get an immense amount of print stuff in the run up to the election because for exactly the reason that you said there, Carl, print demands attention. You know, in the year 2000, um, we got sort of 10, five, 10 pieces of post a day. And it was a trudge, wasn't it? You used to come home from work and you'd get your post and you're like, oh, and it was a pain to have to open it all. And that's junk mail and that's a bank statement. And, right. and you but, sorted over the garbage can. You did. You, you absolutely can. did. And, right. and then you'd, you'd log on to Hotmail and, and you'd be like, woohoo, I've got an email. This is amazing. I'm going to read this email and I'm going to see what's happening. And now it's the complete reverse. Now you've got, you know, you log on to your, to your, your, your Outlook in the morning and there's six thousand emails waiting for you and you feel depressed and then you go to your post box and someone sent you a letter or a postcard it's it's amazing and and that's what makes print so special so the, so uh, you mentioned that you know the right moment like talking to somebody at the right moment it's almost 
uh, it's almost random, this happenstance that uh, I happen to be in the mood to not do anything. I'm eating lunch or whatever, and I go check the mail, and there's something there. I might read that over lunch, and it's literally completely random. Like yesterday, yes. I didn't do that. Tomorrow, I won't do that. Uh, so how, how do you make sure that your stuff gets in front of somebody at the right time, except to just do it all the time? Well, that's that's the, those those are your two options. Your, your first, or oh, sorry, there are two. There are many options, but there are two ways to to do that. The first is just to send stuff out all the time. I'm a big fan of printed newsletters, physical print newsletters, and uh, I give my clients a four page newsletter and say to them, print this, send this out every single month. And you know they'll they'll say, but that but that costs me seventy cents, eighty cents per copy. Right. And I say, but it but it's worth it because now I, I don't put it quite as eloquently as you put it. I I say you want to avoid it, uh, you want to invade their toilet time, and you know we all we all sit on the toilet and read stuff, whether it's a book or whatsoever. If it, that it's thinking time, it's it's reading time, and if you can invade that, because a four page newsletter takes five minutes to skim over. But the point is, it's moved the relationship forward a little bit. Because our goal, of course, is to build a relationship with hundreds or thousands of prospects at the same time. It's one-to-many marketing. You're sending it out and many people are reading it. And we're trying to build up that relationship so that at that exact moment that they're unhappy and ready to start talking to someone else, you are as top of mind as anyone will ever be. And you'll never, you'll never be so top of mind that they remember your name or that they remember the, the name of your, your MSP because... That, that, that just doesn't happen. Your clients don't know what your MSP is called, let alone your prospects. But they might recognize your logo or exactly. say, I've seen this somewhere before. Or, or dive in the recycling and say, where's that newsletter from that company? Or another newsletter turns up. That's the beauty of sending something regular. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, these guys. Are, of course, I've been reading this for, for some time. I'm, I must do that. The, the other thing to bear in mind is, and this is um, quite a psychological thing, when you have something physically in your hands, it actually makes your brain react in a different way because this whole digital thing has happened to us in the last 10 years. And yet our brains and, uh, and the way that our brains and our bodies work together, that's based on, on how we were 100,000 years ago because that's where our programming comes from. We still have the same basic programming in our brains today that, that, we, that we had when we were cave dwellers. And back when we were cave dwellers, it was all physical stuff, wasn't it? It was touching stuff and your senses taking it in. You lived or died based on your ability to, set, to take in sensory information and react to it. And I suppose those of us that are alive today, our ancestors back in the day, you know, were, were, through the power of evolution, were the ones who got better and better and better at acting on sensory information. So when we physically send someone something and they hold it with their hands, it actually does different things to the brain. This is why, have you, have you heard of a, of a tablet called the Remarkable? Have you seen that, Carl? No. Uh -uh. Okay, so this is, they're slightly overpriced, which is why everyone doesn't have one. But I, I've just ordered, pre-ordered a Remarkable 2 because they the, the Remarkable 1 was around about $800, which is too much. And the Remarkable 2 is about $300 less. So I just thought, you know what, I'll get one of those. It's a tablet that you write on uh, as, as if it was paper, but it is a tablet. And it, you can't do cool stuff like surfing and email. And that's also actually an advantage, I think, because there are fewer distractions. But they say it's like writing on paper. And so it doesn't feel like you're using like an Apple pencil or something to write on an iPad. It's the stylus and the, the way the screen's been organized, it's like writing on paper. And apparently, 
um, from, from the stuff that I've read is if you use that for taking notes or for annotating things, and because it's more tangible and it feels like you're writing stuff, you're more likely to remember it. And there certainly have been studies in the past that students who take notes, good old fashioned notes on paper and using a pencil are more likely to absorb the material because there's a link between them physically writing something with their hand and a specific learning right. part of the brain. Even if they never go back and read those notes. Well, I don't know about that. No, no, that's, uh, that's the, actually... Oh, is, that, is, that, is that correct, is it? Okay, yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Well, here's what the Remarkable puts the two things together. It has the, the writing element to it, but also you press a button and it saves a PDF to your OneNote or whatever it is that, that you're using. So, so we, we all get the backup that we want. We all get a bit twitchy, don't we, if we haven't got a backup right. of, of something. <laughs> so I think that's, that's the other thing with print. So yes, going back to, to the question you asked, option number one is just to do stuff all the time. Option number two is to do stuff triggered by actions. So let me give you an example. Let's say you had a specific page on your website about, let's say laptop encryption, just as an example, because it's a nice, easy one. And uh, you could set up using, and you could do this with software like HubSpot or Infusionsoft or uh, Constant Contact, I think, would do this. Active Campaign would certainly do this. You could do it where when someone comes onto that page on your website, if you already know who that person is, perhaps because you've live chatted them in the past, or perhaps because they filled in a form, or you've just somehow identified who they are. And all of those software packages I've just mentioned to varying degrees of success can do this where once you know who someone is once, you can track when they come back to your website a second time. If you could identify who that is, um, imagine then if, if once they've been onto that page on your website, that then triggers an automated campaign to physically post them some details about laptop encryption. Because you could make the assumption that someone who has been on the website and looked at laptop encryption either has a problem with it or doesn't have it, or you know, maybe they just think it's a good idea or, or whatsoever. So you, and, and again, there's a, the service I, I said I would tell you about is, uh, which operates in both the States and uh, the UK as well, is called Stamp, which is Stamp, S-T-A-N-N, -N, so NovemberNovemberP.com. And okay. that, that service will print and post something for you, um, often for, the pro for less than the price of postage alone. So if you go and buy the postage, and let's say the postage is a dollar, they will print it and post it for 70 cents, say. And that's because they're sending out tens of thousands of mail pieces a day. Right. So they, they'll have very, very low per item costs. But you can easily automate. And I know you can easily automate because we do this with Infusionsoft, which is the software that I use in my business. If someone visits a specific page and they're in our database, it triggers, and if they haven't had it already, it triggers an automated thing that goes off to stamp. And I think we use Zapier to connect the two. Right. Zapier, of course, sits in between all of these different services. And it will post them a, a, a letter or a postcard or something like that about the thing that they were just looking at. And then the other thing that it does is it then triggers a phone call follow-up from a member of my team. That's the other critical element of it. And um, we found that it's fairly early days. We've been doing that for about six, seven weeks or so. But fairly early days are it, it is triggering or it's, it's giving us some really interesting conversations. I wouldn't say we've got it that process perfect yet. Right. But we are certainly having more conversations with people about this specific thing that we're selling than, I like, than we would have been I like before. the idea that it, uh, you know, so many things, I, I can see if you've come back to my page, if you visited before, and I can throw up an ad, I can do a, uh, a drop down, <laughs> right? I can do interrupt marketing. 
Yes. Um, but taking it offline, that's a new uh, twist to that. So I, I like that. Yeah. And it's in its, um, now I mentioned that the phone call, that's, that's the other thing of taking it offline. And um, I, I say this to MSPs all the time. If you are, uh, if you need new clients, not just want, but you need new clients, the single quickest way to get new clients is to pick up the phone 50 times a day. So, uh, and, and the phone, the phone um, you can take the same approach with the phone as you can with printed stuff. You can either just phone everyone all the time, or you can phone people based on actions, such as phoning them because you've sent them something or because they've said something on LinkedIn or because they've filled in a form or whatsoever. But l- l- genuinely, the, the f- <laughs> there is no faster way to get clients than picking up the phone. Now, the phone is a deeply inefficient thing to do. Um, I hate phoning myself. I would, uh, I mean, if I lost everything tomorrow and I couldn't afford to pay someone to do phone calls for me, of course I would pick up the phone because I'm a business owner, the same as you, same as everyone listening, and that's what we do to survive. But the second I could hire someone else to do those phone calls for me, I would. I just I, have, I agree 100%. Yeah. There's nothing I'd hate more. And most MSP owners are, are exactly the same. However, here's the thing. If you, if you do 50 dials a day, because when we say make 50 calls, we don't mean talk to 50 people. That's impossible. But you attempt 50 dials. So you pick up the phone and you dial 50 people. Let's say you get whole, you get through to, let's say, make the numbers easy, 10 of them. So you know instantly, straight away, you've got to dial five people to speak to someone. And then let's say off the back of speaking to those 10, seven of you get, you get blocked, you, um, excuse me, five of those people, uh, you actually have a quality conversation. And let's say off the back of those five, you get one um, proper meeting. So what that, whether that meeting be a virtual meeting or a real meeting, it, it, it's regardless. If you can break it down in that way, so you know, I've just got to pick up the phone 50 times today, which is only really two hours work and I'm going to get a meeting, suddenly we're into the numbers game. Because now the, the, the quality of those meetings is gonna be lower than when someone asks you for a meeting. So when they ask you right. for a meeting, they're right in the buying process. Whereas when you essentially um, uh, generate your own meeting, you, your conversion rate's gonna go down, you're gonna have slightly less quality meetings. But let's say, worst case scenario, you had a one in four close rate off those meetings. You pick up the phone 50 times, a day for four days, you get a new client. It's as simple as that. Now there's a lot, there's an enormous amount of work in between, you know, picking up that phone and calling right. someone, but that with, telephone really is a numbers game. I sold a healthcare marketing business in 2016. We had 15 staff and we were doing marketing for people and doing marketing programs for veterinarians, dentists, and opticians. And I had three full-time phone people. They, we called them telesales, but they weren't really telesales. They were relationship builders. And their job was to phone people who opened our emails and clicked on our emails. So we had a database of 12,000 people. I may have mentioned this in the last time on the podcast. I had a database of 12,000 people. We emailed them twice a week with content, not selling stuff, but educational content. And we got around about 2,000 people a week clicking or opening and clicking emails. So we knew they were active and alive and they had a vague idea who we were. And that's, that's who my telesales team rang. And all we had to do, we, we, and I can't remember the numbers now um, because it's been four, four and a half years since I sold the business, but we got it down after a year of this that we knew if those three picked up the phone this many times in a day and, and did all the things they were supposed to do, and my field sales guys did all the things they were supposed to do, and my marketing team sent out the pre-meeting materials, and we did, basically, if we followed our entire 27-step process, 
every single week we got two clients. It was, it was literally as simple as that. And, and, and the numbers stacked up. They, they completely stacked up. We had no idea who those clients would be. We had no idea when we would land so them. So how do you we knew we would get that them. list? Because this isn't these, the, the list that starts with the 12,000. Uh, it can't be just emails that you buy somewhere. No, it has no. to be their postal address as well. Correct. So the, the, um, the, the, we could do an entire podcast just about data and, and, and that list in itself. But the, the short answer to that is that 12,000 I built the hard way. And I, uh, I, I got, they, they were all opted in. So they'd chosen to join my marketing. And we spent probably a, probably a quarter of a million dollars on that over, over about a three year period. You know, it wasn't at all a spending one go, but we went to trade shows, we did adverts in magazines, um, we did uh, ad, ad stuff online, AdWords, uh, Facebook ads weren't particularly useful to us back then, it was, it was a less mature product, but you name it, and we, we spent money on it. And, and we tested it and measured it and tracked where they all came from, and uh, um, there were all sorts of methods that we got, but we, we built that, that, that database over about three years. If I, if I had to start again tomorrow, this because this is always the, the answer because so many MSPs don't have an email database. Um, the, the first first thing I would say is, well, if you've been in business for a couple of years, you do have an email database. You just probably haven't pulled it together yet. So every MSP can think, right, what's every event I've ever been to? Where's all the business cards I've ever collected? Are they sat in a drawer somewhere? Have I just chuck them into a box. What's every conversation I've had with every single prospect or anyone who's ever filled in a form? If I can go and find all of those on my email, and this stuff is, it's all sat there on your email or in a drawer somewhere if you go looking for it. You, most MSPs who've been in business for a couple of years have got two, three, four, five hundred people that they've spoken to, even if it's a very minor conversation. Right. And uh, you, all you've got to do is pull that together, bang it into an Excel, bang it into a CRM. And there are some, some, some small risks at doing this because you've got cold relationships with these people, but at least that's something to get started with. Um, in terms of building the list, you, you, you can do data capture on your website, which is getting harder and harder and harder, but you can offer people something in return for their contact details, like a book. A book works really, really well. Right. Because it has to be shipped. So they have to be the address. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I mean, if you haven't got addresses, that's not a a killer uh, problem. You go onto Fiverr or Upwork and you hire someone uh, for a really low rate because they're based in the Philippines where, you know, $5 has the spending power of $50. So you can pay them virtually what is next to nothing for us for them to, you know, here's, here's a hundred domain names of people who are on my list, go onto their website get their address or get it off Google Maps or whatever and just put it into this Excel. So, and which is, which is, is not quite data scraping. It's, it's a, that's a human intensive task, but there's, you know, once you've got someone's domain name, you can pretty much get all of the information, but as you say, better to get it up front and, and, and get it in one go. Right. The other database that all MSPs have, which they never work enough is their LinkedIn connections. So it's very rare for me to talk to someone who doesn't have at least several hundred people they're connected to on LinkedIn. Because of course, LinkedIn wants us to be connected to more people, so it makes it easy for us. You're, you've got to think of your LinkedIn database as a source of prospects. You know, LinkedIn, if I said to you 20 years ago, Carl, hey, guess what? In, in, you know, in about 15 years time, you're going to have for free a database of every single possible prospect on the virtually in the Western world. Uh, it's going to be more or less up to date in real time. You'll be able to see what they're up to, message them and, and have a conversation with them for free. 
uh, would you like a tool like that? And 15 years ago, we'd have, we'd have you know, gnawed our hands off just to get hold of something like that. And now people are very blasé about LinkedIn. LinkedIn is amazing. LinkedIn is the best prospecting tool I that will you've say ever many had. people use LinkedIn incorrectly or very poorly. Uh, you know, you, you request a connection and instantly you get an email. Mm-hmm. I got one the yeah. other day, somebody who's like, thanks for connecting. It looks like you guys do amazing roofing work. I'm not kidding you. Right? And I'm like, I don't do any roofing work. <laughs> but, but they, they basically turn me off when I make these connections. On the other hand, there's other ones where it's like, oh, I want to connect to you because you're the friend of one of my clients. And then they're like, oh, yeah, who's your client? And, and then you actually have a conversation. I think that leads to a much higher potential than just spamming everybody who connects to you on LinkedIn. I, I agree. And here's how you can take that a step further. Um, what if we took the LinkedIn connection offline? Now, here's a campaign I created for my uh, MSP Marketing Edge clients, which is anybody could replicate this, uh, but it, it's beautiful in its simplicity. So you take a LinkedIn connection. Let's say you're connected right now to 500 people. Today, you message 10 of those people. And the bulk, the bulk of your message is the same, but there's one bit that's different. So let's say, Carl, I was doing this to you. So I would send you a message on LinkedIn, which says, hi, Carl, I've just written a book about email security, or, or you, know, you can take any, anything that you can package up, but it's got to be a physical thing. So I've just written a book about email security. It will tell you, it, it talks about blah, blah, blah. I'd love to post you a free copy. Is 39 Barton Road still your address? Now, 39 Barton Road is what's on your website. That's actually my office address, but you, you, you get the idea from that. And that's the one line that obviously needs to change. That's the one line you cannot screw up <laughs> if you're going <laughs> to copy and, copy and paste it. So let's say you send that to 10 people. One of them is going to hit reply and say yes. Another one is going to hit reply and say, actually, we've moved, or could you send it to my home, please? The other eight are not going to reply because that's LinkedIn, because they only log in now and again, or they just look at it and they don't get it. It doesn't matter. Here's the thing, we can still market to all 10 of those people. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to get ourselves a really interesting conversation with all 10. The two that have uh, responded, you post the whatever it is out to them. And then three days later, you phone them up. And you get past the gatekeeper because you say, oh, hi, can I speak to Carl, please? It's Paul. About It's, it's just Paul. Or, and if, it's, if they ask, it's, you say, oh, it's, it's about the book I sent him in the post. So it's about the thing I sent him in the post. Or even and, better, and, the book he requested. Right. This is why you earn the big money. You see, that's even, that's even better. That's even better. It's about the book you requested. So, and then the call, which obviously you can make or someone can make on your behalf, the call now has a purpose. The call is, I'm just, hi, Carl. It's uh, Paul, uh, Paul here. Um, we had a little chat on LinkedIn and I, um, you asked me to send you that book on email security. Just double checking. We posted it on Monday. Has it, have you received it yet? And you either say yes or no, whatever the case. Now, if you have received it, you then ask us a very specific follow-up question. And it must be phrased exactly like this. And the phrasing is, I bet you haven't had time to read it yet. (laughs) Now, the reason you phrase it in that specific way is, if they haven't read it, which the vast majority won't, they don't feel bad. Because if you say say to someone, have you read it yet? They feel guilty. We don't want them feeling guilty. We want to sell them our stuff. So whereas if you say, I bet you haven't had time to read it, they go, oh, do you know, I've just been so busy. If they have read it, they actually feel delighted because they can say, well, yeah, I did. I flicked through it on the toilet last night. It's very interesting. 
So that then leads into, we can then build some, we've got some banter going, we can just build a conversation. We can ask them then some open, some non, uh, non-threatening opening, open questions such as, um, um, so tell me more about your business. How are you guys doing right now after, after COVID? Um, th- those kind of questions, the kind of, you know, you know, when you meet other business owners, it's those kind of, of, of right. sort of general open questions. Then you get into the killer question and the killer question is, so I bet you've got, don't tell me who it is, but you've probably got an IT support company right now. And they'll go, yeah. And you say, great, just don't humor me on this on a scale of one to 10, where one is awful and 10 is the best in the world. How would you rate them right now? And they'll give them a score. Most people give them a score. Not everyone will, right. but most will. If they rate them 10, 9 or 8, there's no opportunity for you here. They are, they are happily married to their current MSP. So maybe you give them a call once a year just to stay in touch with them because you've now established the ability to give them a call. If they answer a 7, 6 or a 5, there is a level of dissatisfaction. And actually, I think that's where the vast majority of clients are, because we all know that you have a client, you keep them for 10 years. After a few years, you know, the, the honeymoon is well over. They're happy with what you right. do, but there, there are little things that they're unhappy about. It's, it's just the nature of the beast. So a seven or six or a five, is an op- is, there is an opportunity at some point. You may then m- move to schedule a meeting and say, look, um, okay, that, that's quite a low score. I, normally when I talk to people, you lie, that's a higher score. So look, perhaps, perhaps we can, we, can I arrange for you and my technical director, who's actually your salesperson to, to have a, to have just a 15 minute chat on, on, on zoom or whatsoever. And what we're trying to do is get them into that initial meeting. Uh, you know, that, that initial 15 minute meeting, which obviously leads on to meetings down the line or let's stay in touch or whatever it does. Now, if they answer, where were we? So we had 10, nine, eight, seven, six, five. If they answer four or below, they are an immediate super hot prospect, right? Because that is deeply dissatisfied. Anything, you know, at the bottom half of that scale is deeply dissatisfied. There's a problem there. And for those guys, you push straight for, you say, wow, that is a really low score. That's the lowest score I have ever heard anyone ever give. Um, look, what's made, what's made you so unhappy? In the best scenario, they open up. In the worst scenario, they don't. But you push for that meeting. You say, look, um, there is plenty of choice out there. Can we meet? Can we talk about this? And, you know, hands up. I'm being honest here. I I would love to take on your business, uh, but it would be really good for me to understand why you're unhappy with them. And and you push for that What are you not getting? Sadly, we're almost out of time. Well, very, very, can I very, very quickly just give you, so I yeah. said that, that those are the two people that, that did respond. The eight people that didn't respond, you phone them as well, but you phone them about the message of, hi, I'm calling about the chat we've been having on LinkedIn. And you're, you're phoning them to say, hey, I sent you a message on LinkedIn. You didn't get it. Don't worry, you're busy. Uh, is 39 Barton Road still your address? So you essentially use the phone to do what, what didn't happen on LinkedIn. And again, maybe you'll get hold of two or three of them. Well, that's great. Out of our 10 on LinkedIn, we've now had conversations with five people. And you can, you can bear, depending on, you can judge, should we do the rest of that conversation or not? Or should we do that another day? But that is just using one example of how to use LinkedIn, taking it offline with something printed, something on the phone. And, and, and the chances of you monetizing your LinkedIn in that way have just gone up dramatically. Right. Well, I'm a huge believer in the point you made about sending out physical newsletters. I've always done it, always will. I just, I think that is something that people, every once in a while, they will cut something out and stick it on their bulletin board. And uh, you just got to make sure your name is on the bottom of it. <laughs> That's very true. That's so very true. Give us your website, make sure folks can get a hold of you. 
Thank you. So I've got two websites. Uh, my website with loads of free uh, stuff. You can get a copy of my free book there, which we will ship to you in the States. Uh, uh, the, uh, that's paulgreensmspmarketing.com. And then we have a specific service, which we only sell to one MSP per area. And that's called the MSP Marketing Edge. So it's mspmarketingedge.com. Very good. Paul Green from Paul Green's MSP Marketing. Thanks for joining us today. This has been another SMB Community Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.